All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Brains podcast with you. As always, I'm your host, Scott. And I'm Brian. And uh, yeah, sorry for the delay. It's been uh, a while since we've had an episode up. Uh, We did record one uh, fairly recently or fairly fresh after our last uh, episode went live and then life kind of got in the way and it just took a good month for us to get it up and posted to the internet so apologies we're uh <laughs> you know not the best at at interneting i guess um but we're back here for another episode uh however i think you know sadly we have to announce that as as i was going through the episode list you know trying to see what we should do next what's what's the next topic um we've really kind of run through the the list of, of what we had intended to do and you know that this whole experiment started as a let's get brian introduced to some new horror films and pick his brain on you know some of these iconic classic films and you know are they truly as good as we remember do they they really hold up do they really live up to our um I guess, nostalgia, uh, for lack of a better word. And I think there's movies that we all put on a pedestal and say they're great, even though maybe maybe they're not the best um, or other ones that we've kind of just dismissed. But, you know, if you can uh, kind of have a fresh perspective, they're actually really good. And that, that was kind of the intent is was we wanted to see what are the essential ones? What are the ones that I want to get a, a new person's perspective on? And um, yeah, honestly, like, we've kind of hit the ones that need to be talked about and the things that are left are either, you know, movie, movies that he's already seen or movies that are kind of scraping the barrel and, and not to say they're not still great movies, but they're just things that I don't know that we have a ton to really discuss or dig in deep. And it, it just wouldn't have the same impact as, as what we were kind of originally setting out to do. So Still some discussions to be had. I think off mic, Brian and I are going to continue to watch some movies and have some fun. Um, but maybe maybe this little experiment is, has kind of run its course. So um, this will be our, our last official episode. Um, but as we were looking at the list, I did decide there's still one more classic on there that you just cannot, you know, have this experience without saying how do you feel about this movie and does it still hold up? So we're here for one last uh, one last film. And as always, Brian has no idea what we're going to watch. Yeah, I'm curious because we just went over the goddamn list, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. OK, cool. Yeah. All right. So this is my last last movie. And then I'm no longer fresh anymore, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 and I think that honestly, based on what I've heard you say that you've already seen, you know, without me or things that we've watched together um, and just the stuff that we've now done on the show, I, I feel confident putting you out into the world. You're <laughs> educated enough on some horror. You've got enough under your belt. I think you can have some conversations, probably even start recommending things to other people. I, I, I think you're good. I, I think your your freshness has has worn off. Damn, I'm I'm happy and sad, but but also I do know more about horror movies than all of my friends now. 
<laughs> my friends are already asking me about them. They're like, wow, Brian, why do you know so much about horror? And I'm like, have you seen this? And they're like, no, but I will. And I'm like, don't read anything or watch anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're already you're already learning what to, what to say. Even. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but what the hell are we watching tonight? I'm ready. All right. Well, um, it, you, I think the one of the big gaps that you still have in your um, overall film lexicon is with with a few notable exceptions you really haven't dug too deep into the classic universal studios era horror true and i'll leave it kind of as a future discussion as to how well some of those hold up um i think that there's a lot of people who put the 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 whole box set you know kind of on a, a pedestal and say that it's all great and and it is um, but there's definitely some that are better than others and, and some that are loved for nostalgia, um, you know, and some that don't hold the, you know, hold up to the test of time. However, there is one shining jewel on the top of that pile of, I've, I, I counted them all up one, but, but of the f- six, the big six um, universal franchises, which was Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and um, the Invisible Man. I, I, it's somewhere in the three or four dozen you know movies, um, just if you count all the sequels. And so in all of that, there's one that sits up on top of the pile, and most people would say is is definitely the best of the bunch. The question is just. How well does this still hold up today? Oh, the suspense is fucking killing me. I'm looking at the list of all of the, I highlighted all those damn movies. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's actually on the list that you just showed me, so it must have been on a different cut of it or something. I'm not sure. But oh, um, no. so tonight, I think the most appropriate movie to, to end the show on is 1935's Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, shit. Okay. So it's a little bit odd doing this out of order um, because this is the sequel to Frankenstein, um, Mm. which was 1931, which I know you also have not seen, um, but that's okay. It it doesn't Mm. matter that you haven't seen the first one for this to make sense. There's a few story elements that, you know, we can catch you up on, but it's, it's pretty simple. Um, Have you read the book Frankenstein? No, but it's on my list. But I know essentially the story because I think everyone knows the story. Okay, the the movies are, are kind of unique because it's it's a very very loose adaptation to begin with. But the um, when they made the film, they kind of broke the book into two halves, and. Frankenstein is really only about the first half of the book. Bride of Frankenstein kind of takes the second half. Um, so this is all still within the, the the framework of the novel. That being said, there are gigantic liberties taken. So do not feel like once you've seen this, you know what the, the, the book is. Uh, still absolutely go read that. In fact, if there's 
one single recommendation I've made from this entire podcast. It should be that you should go read Frankenstein because it's oh. my favorite book of all time. It's absolutely really? incredible. Holy crap. Um, okay. But yeah, so this this takes the second half. They do a really good job at the in the opening credit or opening scenes of this movie of setting it up as a sequel because they they never really intended for it to be. Um, for, they never when they finished the first movie they never intended I don't think for there to be a second movie I could be wrong about that but I would doubt it um, especially with there being four years between them but <clears throat> excuse me um, but in this one they they do a really good job of setting up kind of like why they're now telling more um, so it's I, I'm curious to see how, how you feel about that or how you like it I think it's clever what they did um, but the the original story behind where Frankenstein came from was this um, tale of uh, Mary Shelley, the author, and her husband, and Lord Byron, and somebody else I can't think of. Uh, we're all having a dinner party together one night, and for entertainment, they kind of had this contest to see who could come up with the, the scariest story uh, kind of on the spot. and. Hmm. Frankenstein is what Mary Shelley came up with that night. Um, Bride of Frankenstein opens with a recreation of that dinner party. So you see characters playing Mary Shelley, playing Lord Byron. And so if that throws you off a little bit, that's where that came from. There was no reference to that in the original movie at all. That was just added for Bride. Cool. But... Anyway, uh, I don't want to oversell it too much. I'm I'm not. What I said before was that this definitely holds up as you know, kind of sitting on the top of that pile. But I'm not necessarily claiming that it's good, bad, or otherwise. That's kind of what I want you to say. Okay. Um, but I will say that if if anybody has never seen a Universal Studios era movie, which you know, I would say is runs from about 1931 to about 1954 or so. This is the one to see if you if you're only going to watch one. So, I guess, I guess the takeaways: if you like this, you got another 40 some movies that you can go take into. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, any any questions? Any last thoughts about this movie? About the show about it ending any anything you want to say before we jump into it yeah yeah why is her hair i i see i mean i think everybody's seen clips of this one but she's always got like these little streaks through her hair yeah uh, find out right it's just a image thing that they went with same thing with the bolts in the neck for frankenstein's monster like there's uh, yeah there's no reason for that it's just they wanted something to be iconic and recognizable and there you go. Cool. Yeah, I guess. Well, you know, in my mind, the show is sort of ending, but you know, it was it was a show made to have an ending, right? We don't want to be like Dragon Ball Z and go on forever until people <laughs> hate us, right? <laughs> we can just keep making episodes, and all we do is promise that next episode we're finally going to do something cool, and then instead we just <laughs> stand around and grunt for a half an hour. Is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> but next week, we promise Brian's finally going to go Super Saiyan. 
it'll finally happen next week. <laughs> what are you calling me fat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying you'd look better as a blonde. <laughs> with, and with a giant forehead, right? Oh, right. God, it's happening already. I shouldn't have even brought it up. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Well, with that uh, being said, I say we can turn off the lights, get some popcorn for one last time, and be back in a minute with some of your fresh thoughts on Bride of Frankenstein. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, Brian, well, it's your last chance to... uh... Let the internet know what your fresh thoughts were on a, a movie. You you get the final vote. Is Bride movie. of Frankenstein one that holds up or no? Movie good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but what did you expect? Um, uh, I mean, it's not really scary, I guess. Sure. I'm not sure. I think it's more of like a gag watch at this point. It's kind of like get some friends together, have some popcorn. It's kind of entertaining, but parts of it are a little a little slow, and then other parts of it are kind of hilarious. Um, I wouldn't put it at the top of my list, I guess. Not if that makes any sense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to unpack with it. I mean, you've got you're you're right. I think to call a movie that's you know over a hundred years old or close to a hundred years old um, scary is probably stretching it. You know, no matter what the movie is, and a lot of that is you know just kind of putting into context what audiences would have been thinking in you know the mid '30s, and you know the stuff like this just hadn't been seen yet. I mean, by the time Bride of Frankenstein came out, like they had had several years worth of horror, but you know, the original Frankenstein, the original Dracula, both of which came out in 31 was, I mean, earth shattering to American audiences. So when the only films you had really seen were silent, silent movies at that point, like, yeah, that would have terrified. Um, to today's standards, you're right. There, there's not a lot of true scares there. Mm. Um, also, some of that's because pacing in film is completely different. Um, you know, obviously special effects are completely different, but just the concepts of things that are we find scary evolve and change over time. So. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough and you, you have to do your best to put yourself in the shoes of an audience member from that era, which is obviously impossible to do, but I think that that helps for sure. 
Yeah, no, I think I think I agree. And I, I kind of liked I, I definitely agree that there's a lot of stuff in this movie, actually. Um you know, I think it makes I mean watching the movie actually made me really want to go read the book, I think. Because mm-hmm. I'm I think as we, we talked a little bit during the movie, it I'm sure a lot of this stuff is just totally not in the movie. Oh, very, very little of this is in the book. But especially the little tiny, uh, little tiny kings and queens. Pretorius's little. Yeah, what the fuck yeah. are they? I, I don't know. Every I, I always forget that that scene is in this movie, and then I watch it and I go, wait, that, oh, that's right, this thing is in here. And I don't know if it was like, let's throw in some levity just to give the audience a little bit of a break. Um, <laughs> because... I think they were very concerned with how scared audiences would have gotten, um, mm. which is why there are certain like rules and conventions that you always see in horror from this era. Uh, for example, at the very end, you noticed that, um, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and his wife were, you know, they got out, they were safe, they were happy. They gave each other a hug and, life was good for them yeah i hated that i was so pissed that that happened (laughs) that was like a rule for films back then was that the good guy has to live and has to be safe but Um, but frankenstein is like so clearly not the good guy he's just like a a pretorius who hasn't really accepted what he really likes i guess you know what I mean? Like, Pretorius is taking the plunge, but Frankenstein can't bring himself to do it. And well, and so that's the difference between you having seen the first one or not. So, without spoiling that one too much, you know, the, the first movie obviously is about Frankenstein making the monster. But in that one, he is the Pretorius character, and he's not the good guy. Mm. Um, he kind of is that over-the-top very uh vain you know there's a famous line where he's like now i know what it's like to be god you know and he's got that pretentious air about him of he's doing this thing and it's not until the end when he creates the monster the monster rejects him that he's like oh what did i do or i'm sorry not the monster rejected him he makes the monster and he's like oh this was a mistake but like he was not the good guy through that film. Mm-hmm. This one, he kind of was redeemed and he was trying to make up for, you know, his past sins. Even when Pretorius came, he's like, no, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. Like you're I've learned this is wrong. Like, I'm not going to do it. And he turns him away a couple of times. So what does Pretorius do? But kidnaps his wife. <laughs> and so. Yeah. It was kind of a, you're going to finish this project because if you don't, you won't see her again. Um, I don't think Frankenstein puts up too much of a fight, but, you know, it's a short movie. Uh, But But no, I... He definitely, like, got into it, right? Like, with the heart. He was excited. Like, you could tell he wanted to do it. And, like, I felt almost like when his wife was trying to tell him to come to the door. He was like, no, no, I can't. I have to finish. I feel like even though this was like a Universal Studios movie, I felt like that was kind of 
like a good excuse for for him to keep mm-hmm. going. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he no, you're right. He's got that he's got that mad scientist bug in him and it's hard for him to step away once the experiment has started, you know, no no doubt. Um yeah, I just think that uh, of anybody, he was definitely considered the hero of the film. Um, yeah, I guess I'd agree. It's it's either him or the the old lady who had the weird hairdo thing. <laughs> the caretaker. <laughs> what riot? Riot? Who? <laughs> I love her. She cracks She's me so up. Great. Um, yeah, and then the other thing that you mentioned, you're right. There's a lot of just kind of like genre swapping <laughs> throughout yeah. the film, which it doesn't, the other universals don't quite do that as much, uh, especially the first one of each franchise. Like those are usually taken very, very seriously. And it's kind of, this is one of the only except or examples I can think of where it really goes kind of off the wall, not comedy, but just, doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, yeah. The other exception to that is the um, Invisible Man series, hmm. which I know you haven't seen any of those, but that's one in which the the main character, you know, is basically a scientist who goes insane because he created this formula to make himself invisible, um, and he's he's trying to to some degree find a, a find a cure find a way out of it find a way to not go insane and it, you know it's based on hg wells story but around the time that that came out was when um america went to war and mm. they had kind of said like okay you know what the citizens of the country have enough drama and stress and death and horror to deal with day to day we don't want to give them more of that in their films so all of the invisible man sequels took a complete shift and the invisible man became actually a um, secret agent for the u.s military um (laughs) and yeah it was it's almost like propaganda films they're very bizarre but he he becomes this invisible agent who's helping the u.s fight wars so it's that was another example where it's like they took this kind of dark horror story twisted it around and it's like no let's just make it a little lighthearted and a little happier almost like the 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 40s version of like an action movie is kind of what it turned into in a weird way yeah it's like the 40s version of Watchmen almost yeah, just to some degree. So interesting. So, I mean, scariness aside, how well did it, you know, keep your attention and how much were you sucked into the story? I yawned a little bit during this one. Um during the middle. I think after the weird little people got kind of sleepy. It was a little cozy maybe though. And uh I guess I have been tired all week, but I did struggle getting through this one a little bit, except for toward towards the end, it picked up again. But uh, yeah, I guess it didn't hold my attention too much. It was more of an interesting thing to think about, I think, 
I kind of, I felt like I sort of weirdly was able to see through some of the silliness that I think was just sort of the Universal Studios trying to lighten it up a little bit, right? Like, you know, parts of it were funny, but then it altered, it alternated between funny and really dark. Like, I kind of thought if you, again, if this is sort of seeing through what's like the movie silliness, right? Mm-hmm. So, like the scene with uh, Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's monster and the blind man was definitely kind of funny, right? Like this blind guy and this monster, they're both so happy to have found each other, right? <laughs> and, you know, they're like smoking cigars and it was definitely funny. And then it was really awful how those, you know, two hikers came in and like they basically they tried to kill the monster and and he defended himself and then he burnt down his friend's house by accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was really kind of awful. I think that sort of woke me up a little bit. Yeah, and the movie plays with that a lot, and it, it I would say it's a very you know touching kind of heartwarming story. Um, there's if nothing else, you're absolutely going to sympathize with the monster. He is a hundred percent the victim in the story. Um, Yes. He kills some people. And toward the end, he destroys the lab and, you know, kind of gets his revenge. So I wouldn't ever call him a hero, but I think Mm -hmm. it's completely understandable why he reacts and does the things that he does. Um, and you, you kind of go on this journey with him, just watching him struggle to just be accepted. And that, that's the whole point of this movie is that nobody accepts him, including their, you know, that final gut punch when even his bride is just like, not going to have it. Yeah. Oh, and she hissed at him. That was creepy. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, I guess the way I, f- I feel a little bit conflicted about this one, because I, I definitely don't have any friends that I could, you know, say, Hey, watch this movie. You're going to love it, I guess. But I could see getting a couple of people together and watching it. Um, but there is like a lot of good to it. I think, even though it doesn't, even though I wouldn't put it at, I guess, the top of my list. Um, I I have seen Dracula, and I think I would probably put this above Dracula. Um, the story in Dracula is, I think, much more simple, right? Not as complex. Dracula is basically, you know, this horrible demon who wants to like take over London and and live forever, right? And this this is just more of a. I guess it was really like a complicated book about. Like humanity, like what is humanity almost? Yeah, it's I'm, deep. I'm very excited for you to read the book and yeah. tell me what you think because it it's one of those stories that you know I won't spoil anything, especially if there's listeners who have never read the book. Do yourself a favor and do it. Um, but it it goes places that you wouldn't think because I think a lot of us probably have a 
preconceived notion of what the Frankenstein story is. It's, you know, a mad scientist who finds a bunch of body parts and makes a monster and monsters afraid of fire and, you know, the end. Um, that's not this book <laughs> at all. Um, and it, you know, it's it just, that's the Hollywood dumbed down version of it that's going to sell tickets. But that's, it. the book is a completely different story. And like you said, it's a big question of what is it to be human? What, you know, let's talk about what's right versus wrong, good versus evil, um, morality, that sort of thing. And, you know, who truly is a monster and, you know, playing with that question. So, yeah, I'd be very interested for you to read the book. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think even though it's sort of weird. I think that this movie made me want to read the book. Like I've always been, you know, I sort of go between more recent stuff and older stuff when I read and I read a lot um, and listen to a lot of audiobooks. but I just never quite got myself to read Frankenstein again. Cause it's so old, you know, I, I did read Dra- Dracula a little while ago, but you know, and I liked Dracula, but I think I was talking to you and, Dracula is a little slow, right? Mm-hmm. It's and it's a little. It's not really deep, you know. It's no. just more of a kill the monster kind of adventure story, and it's right. got like some super creepy scenes in it. But aside from those, it's not. I wouldn't say you know it's like my favorite horror book. No, it's um, a good. It, it's a. Dracula is an amazing first half of a book. <laughs> yes yeah yeah yeah. it is yeah. an amazing first half yeah and then once they all get back to london it's a police procedural followed by a half a dozen blood transfusions it's a very very boring second half yep amazing first half yeah the first half is super creepy but yeah i think you said it pretty well um but but so weirdly enough this movie I think because it's still sort of had like it's still sort of shown through, I think, some of the complexities of the story, like even through the like 1935 Universal Studios stuff. And I think the fact that I even I was able to like see like little glimmers that actually really made me want to go check out this book. And so I am due for another book. So this this may go straight to the top. So I may read this next. Nice. Um, um, is, I'll, I'll caution you. It's written in that same. Uh, I forget the term for that, but where it's that letters. It, well, yes, it's that, but it's also that just very, almost like old Englishy stylized text and dialogue that it takes a little bit to get into it. Just oh to yeah, get, to get your brain kind of tuned to that type of writing, but. Yeah. Yep. I'm reading a book like that right now, actually. So it's no, shouldn't be a problem. But like, so there was this one, I think when I realized I really want to go read the book now, there was a line in this movie where I don't know if the writers thought, how thought about it so deeply, but maybe they just grabbed it from the book or something and, and didn't realize the double meaning. Maybe they did. Maybe they were really smart and brilliant. They, I shouldn't underestimate it, but. Um, so Pretorius and the monster are talking and the, the monster says, you know, 
He says, um, oh man, I'm too tired, I guess. But he essentially says that, that, you know, he liked death and he hated life, Mm -hmm. right? And Pretorius is like, yeah, you're going to do my bidding because we want you to, you know, create more dead things, right? The dead are better than the living. And what I realized was like, well, the monster, maybe he just, he hates being alive and he wishes he was dead again, which I thought was just horrific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the book being written, what did you think about the little opening scene with Percy and Mary and Lord Byron recreating the, uh, the night that the book was written? Uh, Mostly I didn't like it. Mostly it bothered me. Um, but I did like that the, what was it? Shelley? Yeah, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. I wasn't sure if I was right. But Mary, I did like that Mary Shelley seemed to be the wisest of the bunch in hmm. that. I thought that she was kind of the most cool and collected ever. And the other two guys were kind of dopey, right? So. And, and I, did you catch that... Elsa Lancaster, who played um, Mary Shelley in that scene, is also the same actress who plays the bride. Oh, frick. No, I didn't. Yep. Damn. Interesting. Which is a, just a fun little Easter egg in there. Yeah. I did catch, you, 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 you mentioned it, I did catch when Pretorius said uh, the bride of Frankenstein, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, Frankenstein's bride is in, locked in the cell, isn't she? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... I don't know why that line is in there. I don't know if it was that... It was a mistake that they accidentally put into the script. Um, I, I have to imagine that even back in the early 30s, people were still making the mistake that they're or people were already making a mistake that they're still making now, which is calling the monster Frankenstein. I mean, I think Hollywood is responsible for that because we've seen so many different iterations and um, versions of, of the Frankenstein monster. And in a lot of cases it's like, Oh, and there's Frankenstein or Frankie or whatever, like it's become his nickname. But I imagine that they were doing that even back then i mean hell maybe even when the book came out they did that i although i'm i'm guessing that it was hollywood that created that um mistake and so yeah i would imagine that by the time this movie came out they were already kind of used to that so it's very possible that somebody just made a mistake and said oh it's the bride of frankenstein it's like well but no it it's not (laughs) um and the sequels to this, there, there's still, I want to say four or five Frankenstein movies after this, um, and but there, it's the Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, um, which in that case they literally mean the Son of Doctor Frankenstein, not the Son of the Monster, um, and the Ghost of the Doctor. So they they get it right later, but yeah, it's interesting that this is called the Bride of Frankenstein when the bride that they're referring to is clearly the monster's bride. Yeah. 
So I guess I guess that sort of bothered me a little bit, but sure. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I guess I don't know if it I don't know if it really holds up, but if you're like it definitely satisfies the geeky horror movie watcher in me, I guess. Now if does it sense. make you want to go see any other universals? You know, I I would say this does did did do that. I'd be down to watch some more of them for sure. I think if someone said, "Hey, we're getting together, we're going to watch, you know, the Mummy, or we're going to watch um, the Wolfman," I would totally be down. Crypto. Okay. But I think my expectations would be set a little bit differently. You sure. Know? But uh, yeah, I, I liked this one, but yeah, I wouldn't say it would be top of my list. All right, that's fair. Well, then I think on that note, that wraps up uh, another episode and another conversation. And like we said, the final episode or thoughts on Brian's, you know, fresh take on movies. Um, the fresh kind of said, Maybe it's a good time <laughs> we're ending because I can't make sentences anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been a fun experiment. I, I think we're still open to the idea of throwing it out another episode here and there or maybe just having some conversations on online or social media if um if things come up but um yeah i think this was a, a fun little way i to introduce people or introduce someone to some new movies i would maybe encourage people out there who are listening and have friends that are not really into horror to kind of play the same game and introduce introduce your friends to some new movies and see if they think they hold up because I was actually just having a conversation with my wife um, earlier today, uh, unrelated, but we were talking about movies and, and movies that, you know, one person really loves and whether or not they should, should or do get disappointed if their friends don't like their movies. And, and I've, I was telling her that, you know, I've always been the type that doesn't believe in that. Like I, I will never, judge someone or hold it against someone for not liking a particular movie or for liking something that I think is total garbage because we all have different opinions. We all have a different perspective. And I, I think that's valid. I think that's fair. And I think that's important too. Um, yep. You like what you like. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be in a society of lemmings where we all just like the exact same movies. Um, so, from that perspective, I think it's really important too to have an open mind with with films and to not jump on that bandwagon of saying that just because this happens to be a super popular movie or it's on the list of top five best movies ever made, like judge that for yourself. Like don't don't jump on that bandwagon. Don't just say this say that because that's what is the popular opinion. Or likewise, just because everybody says a movie's terrible, get, you know, judge it for yourself is, is I guess, the, the take-home message. And, Brian, I'm glad that you were able to do that. I'm glad that you felt comfortable being honest and giving your opinion without feeling uh, scrutinized or judged or what have you. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm hoping, hoping you got something out of it. Oh, yeah. I I thought this was a really great project. I mean, for me, it was... It was awesome. You know, you picked out these really interesting movies. I love horror movies, right? I've always really liked them, um, but not seen a lot of them. And uh, it was really a pleasure to get to 
watch sort of a new and interesting movie that I hadn't seen, you know, every week or every other week, and then to to chat about them, especially with somebody who knows so much about horror movies. So, yeah, this was a ton of fun, and um, I I definitely got to try and replicate this with other friends who might be open to watching watching some horror movies. Guy I work with, I've been recommending movies to him. And he's like, wow, you know so much about horror movies. And I'm like, oh, man, you should. And then I, I don't tell him about the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. That's too much. Too much. We'll see how much he likes these movies first. There you go. All right. Well, um, it's it's been fun. I, I appreciate all the listeners and all the feedback that we've gotten from people, participation on social media and all that. So... I guess I'll just leave it and say, uh, until next we meet, I'm Scott. And I'm Brian. And uh, just thanks for listening. <laughs>